get your family vehicles ready for summer driving with early Memorial Day deals at Dobbs. Click on GoToDobbs.com for money, saver retire, and service deals today. Dobbs. With 43 locations, real deals are always close by. The Blues win their opener Saturday night in Denver, 5-3 over the Avalanche. Game two tonight at Arizona in Glendale, and that's where Chris Kerber is this morning. The voice of the Blues joining us, as he does every Monday Monday on the Brown and Crouppen Celebrity Line. Good morning, sir. How you doing? Randy, I'm doing well. How are you? Welcome back. Thank you, and thanks for filling in for me last week. And uh, a great start for the Blues, the win over Colorado. And yes, I know that they the, that the Avalanche didn't have Landeskog or McKinnon, but I thought that the Blues vibe was really strong. I really liked the way that they came out and the way they finished. You know what? I think uh, one of the things that I was really looking forward to in that game was to seeing the energy and the chemistry. And I think the fact that they were in Vail for about four days before they came to Denver helped them because they were even in a higher elevation. So actually playing at Denver felt easier than the practices had felt the previous four days when you talked to some of the guys. So another little twist and turn in the altitude saga of playing out in Denver, but I thought the energy was good. I thought the way they rolled the lines was good. The discipline on the ice was good and allowed them to play that five-on-five game. And it looked like a Craig Berube style of game. But we saw the depth of the Blues really in that one because when they're able to roll these four lines, they can create some problems. Curbs, what did you think of Jake Neighbors in his debut for the Blues? thought he looked okay, Michelle. I mean, I, he played nine minutes, uh, didn't make uh, you know major mistakes. Uh, he showed his speed. He showed you know his ability to jump on the puck. There was one play in the defensive zone where it was just a read play. It was five-on-five five hockey, and he put some real pressure at the point. And, and it's his speed that, that allowed him to get there. But, you know, Ken Hitchcock has uh, joined us for this game here in uh, Arizona. He's, uh, he was brought in as a consultant for Doug Armstrong. And Ken had spent a decent amount of time with watching the Edmonton Oil Kings over the last couple of years. And he had a lot of praise uh, to heap on to Jake Neighbors. You know, uh, he goes, he goes thick. He goes, country boy strong is how he <laughs> described him. But he's got, he's got this maturity to him, guys, when you talk to him and when you're around him and when you see him. He looks like he belongs. There, there doesn't seem to be that, you know, that, that nervousness of should I be here. And I think that's going to bode really well for him as uh, we move through the early part of the season. Curbs, one thing we haven't touched on this morning as we've reviewed the game is how great Jordan Bennington was. To see him get off to a good start is really important, and I'm sure that uh, this team that's always had confidence in him, the group in front of him, loved what they saw on Saturday. Yeah, this is, you know, the beginning of that six-year contract. So, you know, it's an important stretch of hockey for Jordan. But I thought Jordan was fantastic. In the second period, he's the reason that the Blues still held the lead and, and end up winning that game when they were outshot 16-5. to Colorado just pours it on in the second period of games. It really is a, a unique trait of that hockey team. And Jordan was fantastic. And I know in the third period, Colorado made it a little closer. Things got scrambly. But uh, the Colorado got some fortunate bounces on that one. Now, uh, Jordan looked like he, he was swimming in the crease a little bit a couple times. That's expected. You know, you keep in mind, even though this team played eight preseason games, there were only two games where they actually played with close to their full regiment. That last one that they played didn't have – I mean, you played Columbus who didn't play anybody, right? So uh, there's going to be still some uh, adjustments going into the first part of the season as you get things going. But – 
Uh, if those couple of unfortunate bounces don't go in, Jordan Bennington, to me, is the number one star in that game. Curbs, you also had to like how the Blues started the game with Braden Chen not forgetting about the cadre hit on Justin Falk during game two of the postseason. What did you make of Braden Chen uh, going out and protecting his teammate right off the gate, right out of the gate? Man, you know, Braden Chen, he's he's developing into that Alexander Steen type of uh, leader, I think, for this hockey team where – it's it's by his work ethic. It's how he handles things. It's it's who he is, and it's and it's what he does on the ice as well. And we've seen him now do that several times. Remember, we saw him fight, you know, just you know when when Bobby Plager passed, and he said after the game, it just he was best way I could honor him was to you know to, to pick up a five minute penalty because I wasn't going to get five points in a game, right? <laughs> and so the he's just got that ability and understanding to it, and. Look, and I, and I know Brian Sutter was a great player for the St. Louis Blues, but I just compare Braden Shen a little bit with with his his willingness to do it in today's game when you need it, his ability to score, his understanding of, of that's important. I, I thought it was fantastic. And, and the quotes from Justin Falk afterwards, you know, spoke volumes to it. And, you know, you, you're seeing the leadership shift in this hockey team, Michelle, and, and two of those leaders that are, really come into the forefront now for this team are, uh, are, are Braden Shen and, in my opinion, Justin Falk. So I liked what Braden Shen did just an absolute ton. What, what a, I mean, what a, what a St. Louis Blues style player this guy really is. Curbs, one other player I want to get your take on was uh, Colton Pareko, who played uh, uh, high in minutes for him in the last couple of years and played like a number one defenseman. He did, and the fact that he was healthy, I think, made it look uh, made Marco Scandella better in that game. There's also something I really like too, and if you looked at the kind of the lineup sheet that the coaches have in the locker room, they had Colton Pareko as that top pair, which is kind of what we envision, right? But I know it, it, it's a small thing, but it, it 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 speaks volumes in terms of you know where they they want him to be, and I, and I thought he played really really well. Though. He seems to like playing in Denver, too. He makes some unique plays just about every time uh, we, we get into that building. But he's, he's so big and such a key part of this defensive group. You know, he's not going to be overly offensive-minded. You know, he, he's got the ability to do it. But I, I, I think maybe we, we had hoped maybe for more. I don't know that we're going to see that. But he can control a game with his stick. He can control a game with his skating. And when he is healthy, he can be an, an absolute dominant force. And I asked a, I asked a longtime NHL executive the other day, you know, I'd say, I said a healthy Colton Pareko or a Seth Jones. And, and this, this person said, Ooh, that's pretty close. He goes, Seth Jones may have a little more offense. He goes, but out, he goes, yeah, Pareko without a doubt. And you got to realize that, you know, he's, he's not even 10 years in the national hockey league yet. And so they, they actually talked to me more about the fact that they think that there's still room to grow up for him to get better to where he can pretty much start to do anything he wants on the ice. And uh, I thought he had a terrific game and, uh, and, and played really, really well, and it's great to see him healthy. Hey, Kerbs, before we let you go, one more thing. Since Doug Armstrong took over with the Blues, they've been very successful consistently. In that same time frame, the Arizona Coyotes have been up, down, up, down, up again, kind of, down again, up, and now it, it appears down again. What do you think the Blues are in for tonight in Glendale? Well, if you look through the, the Coyotes roster, you're going to see some familiar names like Andrew Ladd and Phil Kessel, and you know Jacob Chikrin's become a force for them defensively. Carter Hutton is their goaltender. You know, but 
it, it, it looks and feels like a team of mis- misfits with the, with what they did. Of course, you know, uh, Keller from St. Louis is on this team as well. They, if it's a team that's going to play hard, they haven't started the season well. But if you're the St. Louis Blues, you ought to come in with your eyes open. Because last year, even though they had Connor Garland and Oliver Ekman-Larsen, you thought, okay, you know, the team shouldn't be as good as they were. And they handled the St. Louis Blues last season. So I think you got to come out and, and send a message here. And you're right. This Coyotes organization uh, has never really had much of a chance, I think, from a consistency standpoint with players here in the desert and, and with their ownership situations that have plagued them from day one of moving here from Winnipeg. So uh, they're back in a rebuild. Doug Armstrong is their – not Doug. Uh, Bill Armstrong is their general manager. Uh, they've, they've packed up eight first and second round draft picks for next year. They've only got three guys under contract beyond this season. So they are clearly in a rebuild, but for the St. Louis Blues, they handled the, the Blues pretty well last year. You better come in with your eyes open and ready to go. Curb, it's great to hear your voice. Have fun out there in the Valley of the Sun, and we'll be tuned in tonight. Okay, have a great week, you two. Thank you very much. Thank you. That's Chris Kerber, the voice of the Blues on 101 ESPN pregame tonight from Glendale, Arizona at 8 o'clock. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. The college football playoff committee made their decision on Sunday, and as much as I loathe the idea of Ohio State losing their way into the college football playoff, I 100% agree with OSU making it in over Bama. Nick Saban citing some hypothetical point spreads to prove his point that the tie deserve a spot in the college football playoffs holds little substance when you consider Bama's best win is over Texas. No, the committee got it right. TCU had a great season with far more ranked wins than Bama and didn't deserve to lose their spot after playing a surging Kansas State in a championship game. And Ohio State, while not playing some of their best ball later in the season, was still 12-0 until they came face-to-face with my Wolverines. While the college football playoff system isn't nowhere near as good as it could be, it's better than what we had. And in a few years, it will be better for all of college football. Hi, this is Chris Howard, host of Plugged In with Chris Howard. Get the latest odds and trends for every professional and amateur league out there. From football to basketball to soccer and esports, we've got it all at BetOnline.net. And if you love sports podcasts, you can find those at BetOnline as well. And don't forget, BetOnline for the NHL, MMA, boxing, and golf. Head to the website today or use your mobile device to learn more. BetOnline, where the game starts. Want more ways to show your good side to the world? Donate plasma at a Griffles Center and join thousands of donors who are helping to save lives. Receive up to $1,000 your first month. Learn more at grifflesplasma.com.